over the past few weeks now, we've been talking about the character of God, understanding the character of God. And feedback keep, keep coming in. People asking questions about some uh, philosophy, human thinking, religious doctrines, religious teachings about the character of God. And that has prolonged this series. And today I'll be talking about Job. I'm trusting God to do this in 35 minutes because I just want to summarize it for you guys. You get the key message and then we move on from there. So because more, more items are coming in about the character of God. God is a God of vengeance. Okay, we talk about that when we get to that point. Now, the book of Job is one book in the Bible that majority of the Christ, of Christians use to explain how and how God could make a righteous person suffer for, for any reason best known to him. Right, I repeat. So the book of Job is that book among Christian circles used to describe or to explain that God could make a righteous person suffer for any reason known to him. They say things like, he is a sovereign God. Is the all-powerful. He chooses to do whatever he likes. He chooses to show mercy upon whom he chooses to show mercy. Compassion on whom he is to show compassion. If the Lord allows me to teach that in that series, I will show you, show you in the book of Romans what that word truly means. That word is not applicable to Christians. That word of show mercy upon whom I wish to show mercy and compassion on whom that is to show compassion. No, it does not apply to Christians. Amen. If not permit me, I'm going to go into, the, into that uh, at some point. Now, so still on the book of Job. So, you know, now, what I'm about to say is a, is a joke. You know the book of Matthew chapter 17, right? Where uh, the Bible tells us that in, on the mountain of transfiguration, that uh, Elijah and Moses appear on the side of Jesus. And um, Peter said, let us create a monument for, for you, for for Moses, for Elijah, and God said to the disciples of Jesus, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. I think probably God should, could, should have brought Job onto that scene as well. And say, if you want to know my character, don't listen to Job, don't listen to Elijah, don't listen to Moses, listen to Jesus. It bothers me that over 60 or 65 percent of the Christians of Christian world will take one book, one book, the experience of a particular man, and use that as a basis to define the character of God. It is a description of mm, spiritual immaturity. It is highly spiritually immature. Those are my words, my grammar, so don't accuse me of that one. It is very spiritually immature for you to take the experience of one person in the Bible and build the character of God on that. One man's experience. One man. You hear things like, the Lord give it and the Lord take it. We're going to look at Job chapter 1 and chapter 2 very shortly. Amen. Friends, you may feel in your mind. You know what I say? You may feel in your mind. I don't want to say you may think. You may feel in your mind. In, you may feel in your heart, is it? You know, ask, asking yourself questions like, 
Is pastor trying to say there are some things in the Bible that are not correct? Absolutely. That's the answer. Amen. So let me repeat before I, let me reemphasize on what I just said so that we can, I can make more point, I can make this point more clear and we can move on from there. It is spiritually immature to build the character of God or to define the character of God on the basis of the experience of one man. Do you know how many people the Bible wrote about? Because a man thought in his mind that, that God give it and God take it. Millions of Christians believe that God gives and God take. God gives and God takes. Millions of Christians. So sad. The experience of one man. The statement of one man. Who is not born again? Who is not a Christian? Who is not spirit-filled? Who was not even a prophet? According to the Old Testament, not even a priest. One, with all due respect, ordinary man. It is, with all due respect, shameful. On our, I'm, not, I'm not talking to laymen in the church. I'm not talking to um, young people in the church. I'm not talking about to you. Um, in a, I'm talking to you, with all due respect, us as the clergy, who have been teaching for 40, 50 years, with all due respect, and we cannot question ourselves about certain things in the Bible. And as misled a lot of people, got many people killed by the devil because we do not understand the character of God. Because we do not read the Bible in context. It's sad. God give it and God take it. We're going to read it shortly. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of context about the book of Job. So, now, this book was written between 2000 BC and 2800 BC. So, this book was written earlier than the book of Genesis was written. So, so what that means is that the book of Job was the first book in the Bible to be written. So, <laughs> So the person did not have reference to any of the events that happened in the life of Moses, the, the, the journey of, of Israelite, of the, of the children of Israel. So if this is the book of the Bible ever written, it means the person, the author, did not have any reference point to any spiritual move of God. So most likely, what they, can, what they thought in their mind about the things of the Spirit was what they used to describe the movement and the operations of God. Did you get that? This is the first book in the Bible written, was written before Genesis was written. So if that's the first book, now Genesis was written in between 1450 and 1410 AD. So if my math is correct, we're looking at... Huh? B, sorry, BC. Uh, sorry, uh, pardon me, BC. So we are saying, so if my mathematics is correct, I can see about a 14,000, uh, is it 14? No, no, 4,000 years, 4,000 to 6,000 years of difference there. Eh? Something like that, yeah, because uh, we have 2000 BC to 18, 1800. And Genesis was, was written between 1450 and 1410. So about 6,000 years, six, is it 6,000? Four to 6,000 years. Right, if my math is not correct. Eh? Aha, I said my math was very correct, but no, no, it's not 1,000, 100, yes. Right. Are we, are we having fun this morning? So, I'm a, I'm a fantastic mathematical student, but in the spirit. 
Hallelujah. So it means there are about four to six hundred years of difference between when Job was written and Genesis was written. So if the author of the book of Job did not have any material to reference it, I can tell you over 60% of whatever that person wrote with respect to the character and the nature of God is not correct. Because it was mental, it was a something, it was something they thought through and from personal experience. Okay, let me bring it home a little bit here. In your own personal life, would you agree with me that there have been times where you try to explain God with your mind and your experience? Do you know that in most, um, we call them a name, I can't remember, these old churches, do you realize that in most Orthodox churches, right, majority of them, not the ones that are spirit-filled, majority of the Orthodox churches explain God on the basis of their experience. That's from my own personal experience coming from Nigeria, from Africa. Growing up, most of the ways we describe God is based on our culture and our experiences. Now, I'll give an example. When a child wrongs his father or mother, you do know what we do? We cannot punish them, inflict some pain on them. And as a result, when a person sins and they, they are reaping the consequence of their sin, what is being taught in most of those churches is that God is punishing that person for their sin. But we saw in the book of John chapter 5 where Jesus healed a man who was a sinner and later found the guy and said, you know what, don't keep, stop sinning so that a worse thing will not come upon you. Do you realize that most of the people that Jesus healed, they were sinners? He didn't ask them to, he didn't ask them or request of them to repent of their sins before he healed them. He healed them first, then we can talk about your sin later. Because the goodness of God is not dependent of how good you are. I repeat, God being good to you is not dependent on how good you are. See, you, you, you can never be good enough to deserve God's blessing. Write it down. According to God's standard, you can never be good enough to deserve His blessing. His blessing is a gift to you and you only receive it by faith. Why do we keep talking about Abraham? Abraham received the blessings of God by faith, not because of any righteous thing he has done. Abraham is heavily mentioned in the Bible, even in the New Testament, because of his faith in God. What made the name of Abraham to run through the Bible that, uh, that much was because of his faith, not because of anything good and spectacular about him. His faith in God. Why was Mary also mentioned in the Bible? Why, why, why is the story of Mary you know, so significant? He believed in God. He, she, sorry, she believed in God. She trusted in God. That God is able to do what he says he will do. He said, be, he said to the angel, be, be it unto me according to your word. So what makes, what makes a believer to make name? Even Stephen. Stephen was a deacon of the church. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't one of the prophets or apostles. But why was his name mentioned and referenced in the Bible? His faith and trust in God. If you go to the book of Hebrews, they call, we call some guys, what do you call them? Um, some something of faith. What do you call them? I can't remember their name now. Something something of faith. Yeah, the name Hebrews, yeah, Bokeda. The faith generals, I'll call them that way. Why? Because they trusted in God, not in their own works. Amen. So, 
the book of Genesis was written later than the book of Job, right? So it just, you know, for instance, let's, let, let's, let me give you a more practical example, everyday life. The first um, medicine practice in the, in the old times, the first set of medicine practice were very primitive, archaic, even life-threatening. If, that is, if many people were not dead as a result of those set of first medical practices. But recent and modern-day medicine practices made reference to old medicine practices, saw many things that went wrong, and they improved on it. So if you want to practice how medicine was practiced in 2000 BC, man, uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> may you not be in jail tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Amen. So Job, the author of Job had no reference point to describe the nature and the character of God. So there's a high likelihood, there's a high chance that there are their account is inaccurate, and it is, and it is inaccurate. Let's go for that because of our time. So the author of the book of Job is probably Moses, Elihu, Solomon, no one knows, or Job himself. Sorry? Yeah, yeah from some, some materials that I saw, because they call it, they said it's the first poetic book to be written in the Bible. All this, all this theology, yeah. So uh, some, some books say it might be Moses, it might be Elihu, it might be Solomon, it might be Job. Right, nobody knows. Right, so the book of Job is um, can be categorized into into five five sections. Just to show you that I went through all of this book of Job, I went to it end to end, and I and I kept skimming and going back and forth until this morning. Right, so chapter one, verse one to chapter two, verse thirteen talks about the test of Job. That's that's going to be our focus today. Then uh, the second section is chapter 3 to chapter 31 where Job's three of Job's friends were saying nonsense they, they kept they were saying that it was Job's sin that brought the disaster and problem upon him right so all their argument all their all, everything they said was nonsense it did not make any sense it was incorrect so I want to put it to you if you are struggling in any area of your life and you think God and you think God is punishing you because of your sin, you are very, very wrong. Because your the, the, the punishment for your sins has been placed upon Jesus. Jesus has paid for the punishment of your sin. And when we talk about punishment, we're not talking about God punishing you as a person. But the Spirit of God, in a sense, the holiness of God judging iniquity. That may be a bit advanced for some people, some of us. I get to me. So when the Bible talks about the wrath of God against wickedness of all men, the Bible did not say the wrath of God has been revealed against people. God is not angry at you. God hates the sin that you commit. And one of the reasons I believe he hates the sin you do is because it's injuring his agenda to restore and to redeem mankind. I want to say redeem, I'm talking about inviting them to Christ Jesus, to come to him. Because the thing is this, when you are practicing sin, you cannot be spiritually minded. You cannot be God-minded. So there's no such thing as sin does not hurt other people. It is hurting the body of Christ heavily. Because when your heart and your mind and your emotions are, are grossly involved in that iniquity, in that sin, 
you you at that you you at that point in time you are not cooperating with the spirit of God. You cannot hear the spirit of God. So if a person Another believer, I mean, is going through any kind of spiritual attack. You cannot hear God to intercede for them, to stand in gap for them, or to even call them. You, you can't be in a dining, on a dining table with Satan and God at the same time. No. You can't wine and dine with God and Satan at the same time. So there's no such thing as, as long as no one is hurt. Thousands of people have been hurt. When we give ourselves to iniquity and, iniquity and sin, to lying, to deception and all sorts. Because at that point in time, we block the flow of the power and the life of God from, from flowing through us to be a blessing to his own people. Amen. And there's more to that. So uh, then the section 3 of the book of Job, that's from Job 32.1 to 37.24. This young man... Uh, one of Job's friends, his name is Elihu, um, he spoke, he countered what the other guys, guys said, but he also was not correct. He was accusing Job of his pride and things like that. So, so, every, so, to, so all, all, of the, all of the guys were wrong. And then we have section four where the Bible says God answered Job. Let's pray that we are able to get into that because when I read the, answers, the answer of God, God to Job's situation, I saw some in, some inconsistencies. And uh, said, so "Don't try to criticize Job. You try to criticize me. Have you been in a situation whereby God spoke to you and you mis- you misinterpreted what God said? So, if that has ever happened to you, then these guys are likely to misinterpret what God said. And I had a situation recently." Uh, something happened, and I asked God, I asked God, God, what's going on here? What's happening here? And there was dead silence. It was strange. And I kept pushing, I kept pushing, said, God, God. Then the, then the scripture came to my mind and said, you know what? This is like a prodigal son who came to his senses, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, God has spoken. And I was praying one day, I was just chilling, I was just meditating, I was just you know, having a nice time with God. And, and I was just praying about things, about church, about stuff, about kingdom, and kind of thing. And God, he knows how he deals with me. He said, he said anytime I ask, anytime you ask me a question and I don't say anything, don't force it. And it took me back to that scenario. He said, when you asked me this question, what did you hear? I said, there was dead silence. So anytime you ask me a question and you, didn't, you don't hear anything, leave it. When you are more calm, when you are more relaxed, you will hear relaxed. You will hear the truth. You will see. You will hear. God knows that if He gives me an answer, sometimes when God doesn't say something at a point in time, most likely, most likely is because your mind is not is not in a position to accurately interpret it, or you overreact or you misreact. That was a life lesson for me. So I admit that I do miss interpret what God says to me. And that is why I'm usually cautious when I'm sharing the word of God with people. And I know I take my time, I, I do it slowly because I know my, I have an active mind that has watched all kinds of movies and see all kinds of instances. I may want to use those images and experiences to interpret what God has laid in my spirit. Friends, studying the word of God and understanding the word of God 
is not an option for any believer who wants to be effective in their Christian life. Because the depth of understanding you have about the Word of God will enhance how you hear God, will, will affect the accuracy, how you can accurately hear God or interpret the Word of God. Don't miss this. I repeat, the depth of understanding you have of the Word of God will affect how accurately you hear or interpret the Word of God. Sometimes when I hear some Christians speak, I can hear what God tell, told them. Most of the time, or some, many times, what I hear from many Christians is inaccurate, is unscriptural. But in my spirit, I cannot know what I knew what God told them. But the level of understanding they have about the Word of God, the depth, the shallow depth of understanding they have about the Word of God makes them misinterpret God. And this is no offense to any one of us. Sometimes if we are having some mental issues, some, you know, disturbed, we've not had proper sleep, there's every tendency for us to misinterpret what God is telling us. So we must understand this. Some people, because they had God one time and, act, and they saw accurate results and things like that, they think they will always be accurate. When it comes to hearing God, you have to be cautious. Some people say, what I'm getting in my spirit. Now, what you are getting in your spirit, slow down, hear it well. You know, I've trained myself and I'm still training myself to quickly check what I hear in my spirit against the word of God. If they don't match, if there's a confusion, I drop it. Amen. I do what? I drop it. So no one here, and there's no Christian who cannot miss it. Amen. There's no one who cannot, who cannot miss it. So if we have that correctly, I mean, if we have that settled in our mind, it will help us to avoid pride, overcome pride. Anyone can miss it. And when you miss it, be quick to admit that you miss it. See, this is part of growth. So I... When I realized I missed it, you know, man of God, so you need to tell your wife that you missed it. Like, huh, you know, and I just came with style. You know, you know God was saying to me, <laughs> but I admitted it. I tried to force something out. Now, so this is one of the reasons why it is dangerous for any prophet or man of God to go to a place and they want to start hearing God and speaking to people's lives. You will hear demons, you will hear your mind, you will hear yourself. Let's remember we have a mind. Our mind is creative. Our mind can pick from can pick information, experiences from can pick information from our experiences and, and cook something up. Let's be careful. Amen. So um, going back to the story of Job. So what Job said about God, what, what, what was captured there about the story about God's response? Many of them are inaccurate. Amen. And then Job is restored. In my own opinion, I think one of the reasons why the book of Job was kind of nice was that when I was going through his response to his friends, he didn't mention some things about my Redeemer, redemption, and things like that. Friends, the truth is this. That Bible you look at, that Bible you're looking at, from Genesis to Revelation is about Christ. Any book documented in the Bible, despite the inaccuracy of the expression about the character and the nature of God, Every book documented, canonized, put together to form the Bible, they were put there to justify, to prove the existence of Christ. 
In every book in the Bible, you will see Jesus there. In every book in the Bible, you will see Jesus there. If you understand the epistles properly, I mean the letters written to the church in the New Testament, if you understand them properly and you go back to read the Old Testament, you will see what the Bible meant when it says the patriarchs, they were looking forward. They were looking, they were, they were, they were looking into the future, looking for that promise that God has promised Christ Jesus. The Bible in the book of 1 Corinthians 2 talks about the mystery of God that has been revealed to us, who is Christ Jesus. So, in the Old Testament, the patriarchs, what they saw was a mystery. They, they, they knew in their hearts that there's something. They knew, they knew there's a promise of God. They've had it, they've seen it, and they were looking forward to it. And they were expressing it in different ways. Isaiah, all of them, they were expressing it in different ways, in different forms. It is in the New Testament, in the epistles that we have, that we have access to this mystery of God that all of the patriarchs and all of the prophets in the Old Testament, where they could see, they knew something was coming. And they longed for it. So if you don't read your Bible in the light of Jesus, proving the existence of Jesus, justifying the reason why Jesus came to die for you and I, to, to, to redeem you and I from the power of sin and darkness, if you don't read your Bible from that angle, you see all manner of nonsense in the Bible. I'm not saying that there are no stories, instructions, warnings in the Bible. There are. But the central theme across the entire Bible is Christ. Amen. So for people to, for many, there are many Bible versions and translators who have read quite a number of them. Their stand is that the book of Job describes the character of God as by sovereignty because it can make the righteous suffer for no reason or for reason best known to him is a lie. Now ask yourself a question. I will not be able to go into so much depth because I've been covering this for some few, few weeks now. Ask yourself a question based on what I taught last week. John, Matthew chapter 17, 1 to 5. Acts 10, 38. Acts 10, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. John 10, 30, Jesus said, My son, my father, I won. John chapter 5, I think verse 16 there about, Jesus said, The things that I see my father do are the things that I'm doing. As he raises the dead, I raise the dead. Now, based on a few of those scriptures that I've called out, would you ever think that Jesus would speak to Joe, would speak to, the, to Satan and say, have you, have you considered my servant, Job? That would be a stupid conversation. We're going to that, to that Bible verse shortly. Guys, I need extra five minutes to do this. I don't want to take it to, to next, on next week because I want us to focus, start focusing our mind on things that are substantial. Do you think Jesus will ever have a conversation with the devil to afflict a man? If your mind cannot be wrapped around that, to ever think that Jesus will sit down with, with the devil and say, afflict my son, if you will never think Jesus will do that, then never expect God will do that. I repeat, if you will never expect God, Jesus to sit down with the devil and say, go and destroy my son or go and steal my, from my son or from my... If you, will never, if you will never expect, if you will never, I repeat, if you will never expect Jesus to do such, never expect God to do such. Have I not shared many instances in the Bible with you that the people were not correct in their interpretation of God? So what makes us think that Job is not, is, is not one of those? Amen. 
So let's quickly go through it. So let's turn our Bibles to Job chapter 1. So I will skip all of the positions of Job. So Job chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 4 was talking about Job's possession. 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, 7,000 sheep. Congratulations. Verse 5 of chapter 1. When the period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Talking about his children. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them thinking perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going to and fro on it. Was God blind? Friends, it's already in my Bible. I mean, I ask God some, I ask some very serious questions. That if you if you hear my thoughts when I'm reading my Bible, you think, man of God, are you are you spiritually minded at all? I ask God some very serious questions. And he answers me. So was God blind asking, asking Satan? Was it would you not see? I'm not insulting God. I'm just saying, I'm just I'm, I'm speaking with respect to what is written here. Watch this. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you been? Verse 7. Satan answered. The Lord, not the Lord, from roaming throughout the, the, throughout the earth, going to and fro on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Wait, wait, of everyone in the whole world. So Job was the person that God is looking at to afflict. Of everyone in the world. Job must be super, must be super, super important. I know some other parts of, um, other Bible verse talks about, you know, if Job was had lived in, I think Ezekiel, I can't remember. If Job had, had been in the land, uh, he would have been able to save himself because he was righteous. Other people would, have, would not have been able to save themselves. It's a long story. Okay, let's carry on. But let's assume Job was the only righteous man in his time. Let's assume. But the question I'm going to ask is, who taught Job those sacrifices that he was paying, he was doing on behalf of his children? Let's carry on. Satan answered the Lord from um, verse, yeah, uh, answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth. Okay, verse 8 now. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Verse 9. Does Job, does Job fear God for, for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread through, throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and it will surely cause you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on man on but on the on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord like a dawn. This is nonsense. What did I say? It's absolute nonsense. Let me take us back to Genesis. Where did evil come from in the first place? Was God the originator of evil? Question. Was God the originator of evil? If God was not the originator of evil, if Satan was the originator of evil, so the question is, what's God doing with evil? Do you know what it means to steal, to kill, and to destroy? Do you know what it means to take what belongs to you and to inflict pain on you? All of this was not, did not originate with God. 
all of this originated with the devil. So if, if sin, pain, sickness, even death originated with the devil when sin came into the world, according to the book of Romans chapter 5 from, from verse 12 to 17. So what is God doing with what belongs to, to Satan? And why is, what, what kind of conversation is Satan and, and Jesus having? Satan cannot stand in the presence of God. It's not possible. Well, let's do an experiment very quickly. Please. Every, every one of you, turn off if you are okay, here. I, I have the light on. Everyone, turn off the light in your living room. Everyone, go and switch off the light. Go and switch off the light in your, in your house. I can someone, okay, because um, energy bills are high, right? So, so we get, you get to have your light off. So if you are watching me online, so watch this. Turn off the light. Can you see me? Uh, some of you maybe can't somehow. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Now, this is where Satan dwells, in darkness. <laughs> and the Bible says, God dwells in light. He is light. So let's watch this. So this is Satan's realm. This is how you operate. You can't really see me. Now, watch this. So he's approaching God. Turn it up, turn the light. Can you see Satan? No, it's a question. Can you see Satan? Satan will never approach God to have any conversation. It will, that conversation will never happen on earth. Not even in heaven. It will ne- if truly God is light and there's no darkness in him, darkness and light, they don't coexist. The Bible says that <laughs> in the beginning was the word, the word was a God and the word was God. Uh-huh. The word was made flesh and, you know, and made to dwell among men. The Bible says in Christ Jesus is light and the light is the life of men. It's life and the life is the light of men. So the light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. Darkness cannot overpower it. So darkness and light came to meeting. That's nonsense. It's against everything that Jesus taught and Jesus told us about God and what the epistle said about God. If anybody has a problem with that, fine. But I follow Jesus. I don't follow Job. I follow Jesus. I don't follow Job. Job did not die for me. Jesus died for me. Job did not give me a new life in Christ Jesus. Job did not give me authority and power over devils. Jesus did. So I'm not going to follow Job. I'll pick a few things from Job there. I mean, from maybe one or two lines and things like that kind of make some sense. But, I, but Job is not, is not my teacher from the standpoint of understanding the character of God. Job will never be, Job will never be my reference point to the character or, or the nature of God. Never. Because Job himself did not know my Redeemer who died for me. How many times did you see in, in Job's story that he cast out devils? How many times did you see in Job's story that he healed the sick and raised the He was making sacrifices for children in case they have sinned. How many times do you see in the book of Job that Job spoke in tongues? As a child of God, has supernatural ability to communicate with God in a spiritual language. Did Job have that? So let's carry on, guys. I said five minutes, right? Let's carry on. I hope I'm sure this is blessing you. Let's carry on. So one day, verse 13 of Job chapter 1. One day when Job's son and daughters, sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the elder's brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sibians attacked and made off with them. Okay, well, let's stay on the side of the category of guys who believe that Satan afflicted Job, but God permitted him. 
Because some also believe that God did these things to Job. So when people are sick and they are being attacked by the devil, right? some people believe that it is the devil that did it, but God permitted him. Question, or one point is this. If you believe God put sickness on you, do you know it's a sin for you to pray against what you believe is God's will? Yeah. Do, do you know what do you think sin is? Acting contrary to the will of God, to the known will of God. So if sickness and diseases, if you believe they are the will of God for you, God brought them on you one way or the other, you should allow them to run their course. Do you know going to see the doctors for something you believe is God's will is sinning? So we should start thinking about our theology and asking ourselves questions. We should do what the Bible says. We should not act thoughtlessly. Friends, learn to think. Ask questions. Thinking might be kind of difficult because the world around us and the religious people around us, the government, the devil and his boys and his girls, they don't want you to think. Learn to, you know, think outside of the box. Ask questions. The Transformers Church is a church where I challenge, ask questions. That's why we had Transformers Connect, even though we are shutting that down now, we're going to a proper Bible study. Ask questions. So people attacked these guys, you know, um, they took off with these donkeys, these possessions. Is that God? So let's stay on the side of guys who say, you know, the devil did this. Because some people don't believe, think it's the devil, they think God did. Let's carry on. So, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire, this is verse 16, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servant. Do you know what they mean by the fire of God there? Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> you know, thunder, lightning is a source of electricity. Electricity was... God invented electricity to bless us. Now, you know, without electricity, you guys might not have been able to hear me and things like that. Watch me. What God invented to bless us, he did not invent to kill us. So lightning was not, God did not create lightning to kill us. But you know, the people think, not understand spiritual things. They call lightning the fire of God. So the fire of God came down from heaven and killed us. And kill them. Is it seven thousand sheep, and and burn them up? This is not God. What did Jesus say about um, about God? The nature of God is that it, it, it makes His sun sunshine to shine on both the righteous and the wicked. I shared with us last week. God is not against bad people. Jesus came to die for bad people. I mean, when I say bad people, um, people that religious Christians would term as bad. If you are not righteous, if you are unworthy of God. That's the qualification you need to be a child of God. You are the one Jesus died for. Amen. Let's carry on. <clears throat> then verse 17 says, While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept that down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And it goes on and on. So let's go to, uh, let me see this. Then Job, verse 21, um, verse 20 now. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Friends, who, 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 who took away? 
Who gave? God. Who took away? Even from the so-called conversation between God and the devil. Who went to carry out the instruction, the thing to attack Job? Who went to carry it out? He said God has taken away. So in people's mind, they think God, you know, God because he's sovereign, he wants to inflict a family with, you know, with pain. So he took their daughter or their son. The devil is a liar. So we think God inflicts pain because he, he, he is glorified in it. Someone has lied to us. They have deceived us. And James 4, 7, the Bible says we should actively fight against the devil. Ephesians 6 says that we, should, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And it goes on and on. So the Bible in the time of Jesus tells us that we have authority over the devil. Jesus demonstrated it to us that in every instance where the devil came and met the de- Jesus in, any, in anyone's life, so to say, as long as they believe, Jesus kicked the, kicked, kicked the idiot out of their life. What are we thinking? Are we, are we, are we, are we, are we thinking properly here? Are we, are we being spiritually minded here? The Lord gave and he take away. He's not thinking. And we have songs built on this. Um, um, what's his name? I need, I need help here. Um, he give and take away. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He doesn't give and take away. It's not God. No, no, no. Read, no, read it. Go back and read it. Who, who went to attack Job? Who did? So are you saying God, God inspired evil men with evil to attack Job's servant? No, 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 no. Would Jesus do that? No. So why? Let me show down on this. Chapter 2, verse 3. Then the Lord said, so, uh, this was funny. Let me take verse 1 of chapter 2. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. Why is he present? That's on that conversation anyway. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you, have you come from? The, question again, is God... Can he not see? And the Lord said to Satan, where have you been? Where have you, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth. No, he was blind, going to and fro on it. Then the Lord said to, to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Didn't he, say, didn't he say that in chapter 1? Why is he saying repeating himself? All right. There's no one on earth like him. This kind of Lord they are talking about is, is I, I, I have concerns. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now, if you take your time to live properly, God would not say, Is a man. Who fears God? He will rather say, Man, who fears me? Hello? Who fears me? So, this conversation, if I thought it did happen, is not between God and Satan. This must be principalities and powers speaking. When I say, This must be principalities and powers speaking. Watch this. And it still maintains, if I thought it happened, and it still maintains its integrity, though you incited me against him. Watch this. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without reason, any reason. This is one of the stupid things I will ever see God, God will ever do. Friends, say after me, God does not take instructions from the devil. God Repeat. does not take instructions from the devil. God does not take instructions from the devil. God does not take instructions from the 
One more time. God does not take instructions from the devil. Even when Satan tempted Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 4, he cast the idiot out with the word of God. That's Jesus, the representative of God. Jesus never had conversation with the devil. You know, ha, 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 you know. No. He put Satan where he's supposed to be. On Danity's feet. Feet. So what makes you... So... Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Even when Satan was speaking through, through Peter against the plan of redemption of God for humanity through him. And you think God, the Almighty, will take instruction from Satan to inflict a man with affliction. The devil is a liar. It doesn't, doesn't it sound stupid to you. And he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me, inspired me against him to ruin him without any reason. That's a stupid God. See, if this is the God people are talking about, I, today, I will stop being a Christian. If this is God, today, I will stop being a Christian because I don't know where my own time will come. But I know my God and my Father. When I see Satan and I see the devil, I send, I, I put him on the run with the power in the name of Jesus. That's what I do. See, I speak with so much confidence because I know God whom I have come to believe. He said to me one day, he said, to me, go and tell the people that I'm not the one bringing evil upon them. He said to me, he gave me an assignment. What are you talking about? God himself told me, he said, go and tell my people I am not the one bringing evil upon them. So when you see this kind of stupid statement in the Bible, saying that Satan incited God, to ruin Joe for no reason. He's stupid. He's very stupid. Compared to what Jesus, or in what or in relative to what Jesus said about God. The person who said, I'm not saying the author is stupid. I'm saying the statement makes no sense. It is dumb. So it means that God can also inflict you with sickness. What kind of God is he? Is he, is he a God of light or darkness? Where does he belong? So because he needs to tell us where he belongs. Because what, what are we doing with this God that we can't tell where he is? See, see, I should even question and challenge your own intelligence. To be following a God that you cannot predict, you're not serious. You will not, you will not take a job with an employer that you are not sure whether they will fire you tomorrow. And you believe in a God that is, that, that is bipolar, you are not serious. But the God and the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, 24-7, let the devil show up anywhere. We stand in prayer and the power of God. We send the guy on the run. We run him out. Nonsense. I think I need to stop it so that my, my blood pressure can come down. It's annoying. Amen. I'll stop there. And then, after that conversation... Satan now went and put balls on Job. I think I made my point clear. I can go on and I can take this all the way to chapter 42 and do this for five weeks. But it's not one of those conversations that we should be having, we should be talking about, should be having. So what I've shared, what I've talked about, go and think about it. And read the book of Job yourself, you have time. It makes sense. God will never, never, never take instruction from the devil. Never! 
Jesus said we should go into the world. Cast out devils. Preach the gospel so that people can be delivered from the power and the dominion of, 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 of Satan. So the person, the, the person Jesus sent me, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. So Jesus sent me to preach the gospel so that people can receive the life of God and be delivered from the power of Satan. So God will then work with that person to inflict the people he has delivered. Ah. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you're not the kind of God that um, Job said you are. That's one thing we are just grateful to God for. And Lord, I pray for your people that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened. We will know the truth about who you are so that we can stand our ground against darkness in every way, shape, or form and build solid and sound relationship with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. So you can answer the question yourself. Did God allow the suffering of Job? From what I've said and the examples that I've given, the teachings I've done over the past three, four weeks, answer the question yourself. Did God allow it? 